Hello and welcome to the Highly Sensitive Soul Podcast. My name is Lisa Matthews, and together we'll explore both the gifts and the challenges of being highly sensitive so that you can bring your unique magic out into the world. Welcome to episode 27. I have a wonderful guest named Kelsey Hewins that I'm going to bring in a bit more background and info on soon, though I just want to welcome everyone into this new year. Now, by the time this gets released, we'll be um, yeah about a week and a half, two weeks in. So it might feel like you're back to the grind or back to the day-to-day, the holidays are over. But I invite you, if you ever feel that sense of magic and excitement about a new cycle, a new year, just to take a moment to pause and reconnect to that. Now in the more earth-based calendars, we're just past midwinter, if you're in the Northern Hemisphere where I'm located. And of course, the opposite is true if you're in the Southern Hemisphere. But as I look outside and I notice the lengthening days already, even just those few minutes each day of light compared to winter solstice where we're really at those shortest days, It just really brings this brightness into my spirit, into my soul to see the sun. And any of those that have listened through the episodes from the fall and the early winter, you might have picked up that I do actually love the dark. I love those long evenings, the slower pace of fall and winter. Though this year, I was very much ready to see the spark of extra light. So I'm celebrating that with you all, enjoying the beautiful day here anyway. And where I'd normally shift into current events here, what's coming up, I'm actually not planning any events for the next few weeks. The Menstrual Wise Collective is running happily in the background. We're having some really deep conversations and learnings in that space, though. That is a space that'll open up again, most likely in the fall of next year for the Menstrual Wise Collective. So if that speaks to you and you want to learn more, you can head to bit.ly forward slash menstrual wise waitlist. In terms of one-on-one support, I also have one spot open for the Flowering Soul program. Uh, This is for highly sensitive, empathic, and intuitive people who are looking for tools to better navigate our often busy and chaotic world. This is especially for you if you want to feel calmer, more grounded, and work on strengthening your boundaries. I work with a lot of mind, body, soul entrepreneurs and leaders who are feeling the call to dive deeper into themselves and harvest the gifts of their highly sensitive natures. 
whether that be to grow your business or to show up for your clients in a different, deeper way. The Flowering Soul Program weaves in one-on-one sessions, usually via Zoom, though I am here in Rosalind offering in-person sessions. And I send out flower essences that are made custom each month, depending on what themes, what layers are showing up in your life. So the Flowering Soul Program is a four-month container for deep growth, healing, and walking the exploration of your physical body as well as your spiritual path. I've got more information on my website at combinationhealing.ca and just look up the top. You'll see Flowering Soul as a page you can read more on. So for those that are here, simply to hear about this idea of breaking the cycle of self-sacrifice. This also includes moving out of guilt, the I shoulds, I should do this for that person, feeling over-responsible for people, having difficulty saying no. All of these layers can be very intertwined. So I'd like to introduce Kelsey Hewins, who's going to share some really practical tools on this, as well as a perspective shift. She's a certified teacher and practitioner in the breath integration method of counseling. She'll share a little bit more on that too in our interview. And first, here's a little bit more about Kelsey. She shares, I am joyfully married with a dog and two cats living in Shonovan, Saskatchewan. I combine my 15 plus years of study with the lived experience to give my clients support that transforms. I'm passionate about working with people individually and in groups, and I love to speak publicly about the many ways in which change can be simple when it starts within. The theme of all the work that I do is personal empowerment. I also believe that in order to teach and support others effectively, it's important that I am always engaged in my own personal growth, development, and healing. If I'm teaching it, it's because I've lived it and I'm still engaged in moving through it today. And with that, let's shift straight into the interview with Kelsey Hewins. So I'm sitting here on a snowy afternoon with another wonderful guest. I'm really thrilled to welcome Kelsey Hewins to the podcast. Thanks so much for joining us and for your time today. Thank you so much for inviting me to be here with you, Lisa. I'm so honored to be connecting with you and sharing with your audience today. Yeah, and I'm really excited for what you're bringing in. Is there's a lot of layers we're going to sink into today that I'm quite excited for. Some I know about, we've chatted about pre-recording, and some I'm sure are new and are just going to show up. And given that... Most of us that have landed in these less than exactly mainstream jobs, we've got a story. We have a bit of a journey that's led us here. So yeah, I would love to hear whatever you feel called to share today. What led you to the place that you're at now? 
Yeah, I would love to share that. I think like most of us, we can look back and think, you know, it's actually been a lifetime journey. However, I feel like the crux of this journey for me, or when I finally became aware of it anyway, was in 2006. So at that point, I was 21 years old. And I was living in what I would describe as a mountain of discomfort and guilt. But I didn't realize that because I assumed what I was experiencing was just normal. (laughs) So I thought that's just how life felt. And I did not see that there was a possibility of having a different experience or that there was another way of being. So at that time, my relationship had fallen apart with the love of my life. He's my husband now, but then it had fallen apart. I was working two full-time jobs that I didn't love. I was going to university part-time, not because I knew what I wanted to be what I grew when I grew up, but because all of my friends were doing that, so I was doing that. And I started to feel very, very far away from myself. And actually, I guess you could couple onto that the fact that I was drinking heavily. So my journey to serving others began by first acknowledging my own discomfort and getting support with that. And it was interesting, seemingly out of nowhere, although we know for sure, you know, it wasn't out of nowhere. I was presented with an opportunity to enroll in a personal empowerment program that my now mother-in-law happened to be teaching. You know, how interesting is that? That is actually... (laughs) Very interesting. (laughs) Yeah, probably a unique experience. And my now husband, who was, you know, my ex-boyfriend at the time, drove me to the first class, which is another kind of insane love that circumstance. (laughs) But in that program, I learned universal principles and tools that actually showed me how to move through guilt and discomfort instead of being stuck in them. And it also taught me how I could connect with myself and start to trust myself and my intuition. And then I ended up, I kept moving forward with those trainings purely because of how much I was learning and how much I was receiving. And then eventually I knew it was time for me to pass that teaching on. I mean, it was definitely coaxed out of me. It wasn't, I actually, it was a lot of people saying you could do this, you know, and that's at the core, um, I guess, of the work that I do today, which is, you know, teaching mainly women how they can experience more confidence, more empowerment and ease in life by moving through the, dis- the uncomfortable emotions and by choosing and honoring themselves. And Lisa, I know that's, that's, that's important to you and it's a big part of what you do as well. So that's my, that's my journey in a nutshell. I love that you've been on such a personal, personal part of that. And you're going to hear in the background, the snow clearing equipment, which has decided right now to show up. <laughs> How perfect, hey? How perfect. That's all right. We're happy for the snow. Yes. I know not everyone that lives in a snowy town will say that, but we we are. And you're exactly right that this element, just about being really, really aware of other people and being worried about their comfort or discomfort, their happiness, how it impacts us, like... As a highly sensitive, I know that's been a big part of my journey. And like I talked about in, in the last episode on the solstice, this idea of, oh yeah, like I can choose what is best for me in that moment. And I can at least, I realize, bring it into the picture if I've missed it. Like I don't have to do everything from the space of what's most convenient for the other person. Mm. I have a voice too. 
And this may sound completely obvious to many people out there, but it wasn't to me. <laughs> it was not to me either. It was not even in my awareness at all, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. And I totally hear that. And, and like any of us, and I love how you wrote this, um, just in sharing about yourself in your bio that I just read out, this element of having having lived it and still engaging and moving through it that, yeah, we can walk through this and learn lots of layers of it and feel pretty darn solid in it. And then go, okay, here's another layer for it. So this is the joy. The eternal onion. I call it the eternal onion. It's just keep, you keep yeah. peeling, the, peeling the layers off. Yeah. Yeah. And there's, there's always, there's always more. It can, it can kind of be, can kind of be endless. And yet, of course, and I imagine this is a big part of life too, from your end, we find our, our joy in the meantime. It's not, mm-hmm. <laughs> not yeah, always it doesn't, they don't all come off at once. And yeah. I'm grateful for that, you know? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I'm sure those listening, if you're at home and maybe if you felt like you're the only one that struggles with this, because it's not as open a thing to talk about with people, but I, A, want you to know you're, you're not alone in this feeling of being over-responsible for others' welfare. This is a wonderful part of the trait of high sensitivity, being really kind, really compassionate, very empathetic and aware of others' needs. And that is a gift of it, to have a desire for people to be comfortable around us, to be happy. And I think that's a great thing. And it's a, say there's a, sort of the pendulum can swing too far. Mm-hmm. It can, yes. Yeah. So how does a person who is worried about, say, disappointing others, how does this type of person learn to put themselves first? How is that actually possible to do? <laughs> this is such a great question. I guess I'm laughing only because it's been such a common thread in my life. I would say in my experience, the first step to being able to put myself first was to learn and also to deeply understand that my life is for me. You know, that my sole job mm-hmm. is to be able to honor myself and my life and that actually nobody can do that for me. And so what I mean by that is like, if I'm expecting others to do it, I'm going to be let down and that's going to lead to anger and resentment and a whole lot of messy stuff. Or I guess even another way I could say that would be that if if like, if I'm expecting others to choose me and honor me, I'm handing all of my personal power over to them. Mm -hmm. And once I could understand that for myself, it gave me some perspective And I realized I really needed to start putting myself first. So it is absolutely possible, but it is a practice, as we know. So for me, and I'm sure for many of you listening, if you're worried about letting other people down, that's probably a way of being that you've been in for a really long time. So remember to give yourself grace as you start to make different choices. You know, it's not an overnight fix. And I'm not going to tell you that it's going to be super comfortable because for me, it hasn't been. It has gotten way easier. Important caveat. (laughs) Mm -hmm. However, it can be still a, a challenge. And so, you know, step one in putting yourself first is to have the awareness that you're not 
<laughs> you know, if you can acknowledge True. that you're not, that's number one. True. Because when you're consciously aware that you're making choices because you don't want to let someone down, you then ha- have the opportunity to make a different choice. And one of the ways that I like to do that is by asking myself, okay, wait a second, Kels. Are you doing this because you really want to? Or are you doing this because you feel like you're supposed to? Hmm. You know, or another question yeah. you can ask is, am I doing this because it genuinely feels good in my heart or am I doing this because it's the way I've always done it? Hmm. Because so often we just get in a, like some kind of a habitual pattern. So if any of you listeners, like I said, are like me, then you have possibly in the past, or maybe you're currently in a time when all of your decisions are based on shoulds or have tos or need tos or supposed tos. And if that's the case, my best answer is, You can start putting yourself first by asking yourself what you really want to do and how you really want to feel. And like I said, this doesn't mean you won't feel discomfort. In fact, you may feel deep discomfort when you finally honor what you want. But the gift is on the other side of that action. And it's worth it, I promise. Mm, I love that. All of that. (laughs) So much. And I feel like you highlighted some really key words that might show up in people's self-talk of, I should, I have to, I need to, or maybe even they expect me to. Mm -hmm. I call that the language of guilt. Hmm. Yeah. Or if you find yourself being like really explainy or constant, like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. You know, sometimes when you, you find yourself doing that, And then I found once I learned the language of guilt, I heard it all around me, all my friends, all my family members. I'm like, everybody's guilty. Wait a second. How illuminating. Yeah, but it's, it's interesting. It's a, it'll, it can teach you about yourself if you can observe that language, whether it's in your mind or you actually hear yourself saying it out loud. Mm, Yeah, really, really good point. And I also really appreciate that you brought up that this is a process too. And it's not that in itself, noticing if you, you know, have, I should insert blank, it's every second sentence in your self-talk. That's not another thing to feel guilty about. No, it's not. (laughs) Something to feel excited about. And like a way, I think of it like this, when I'm, when I'm on an exploration into layers of my self-talk, And say it was this, say I was looking at the shoulds or have tos in my own life, in my own mental chatter. I try and treat things like this, like a game. Mm, Cool. So when I spot it, I'm like, ah, I won. Yeah. Another. That is (laughs) such a fun and empowering way to approach it. Mm, I hope I feel like it. For me, I feel like it is. Well, I believe it is for sure, Lisa, because the other part of, you know, the work that I do is is working with emotions. And I Mm. teach that there's a purpose to all your emotions. So guilt, even though it's incredibly uncomfortable, you know, one of the purposes is it might show us when something inappropriate has occurred, in which case the Mm. way that you can move through that is by maybe recommunicating or apologizing. But oftentimes I find guilt shows up when I'm just being really hard on myself. So if Mm -hmm. I can identify it, you know, if I catch that language, it's an opportunity for me to to take a step back and ask myself, okay, how can I be more gentle with myself right now? How, mm-hmm. how can I practice some forgiveness with myself now and just give myself permission to be who I am, you know, and stop being so insanely hard on myself? 
Yeah. Yeah. And like, if, if I was sitting in a room with everybody in person, I would totally be asking the question of like, who here feels like they're pretty self-critical? And I'd imagine there'd be a few people. <laughs> in my experience, along. most people's hands would shoot up like the, the wide majority. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I feel like, great. Let's give that some air. Let's let some space into that. If we're all feeling like this and yet not talking about it, what a perfect opportunity to share more about it and to I'll, I'll layer in within our window of tolerance, within what we can be with without going really into overwhelm because that might be too vulnerable for you to share right off the bat with others say Mm -hmm. you're catching up with a friend and you're like I just listened to this episode on disappointing others and it really spoke to me that might feel too vulnerable at the start and that's okay this is the beauty of inner work because you you get to start with yourself absolutely and then you need to start and connect with others yeah when you feel ready Mm-hmm. But observation is so important. And I love to say awareness is the key. Awareness is the game changer. Yeah. So approaching yourself, not taking things super seriously, just noticing what you notice. Oh, there it is again. Okay. Yeah. You know, yeah. once you can, once you can acknowledge it, then you can have a different experience. But a lot of times yeah. we're operating from guilt and we don't realize it. And then that's a big challenge. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like that's when things are perhaps harder than they need to be. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Even if, yeah, even if the situation in a person's life outwardly hasn't changed. I know this sounds so cliche, but I feel personally that is very true, that if that inward shift has happened, even just to be aware, oh, wow, that was a, a really unkind moment with myself. Hang on, I'm going to rephrase that. Mm-hmm. And that in itself is huge. And maybe no one around you will know, but you. And that's okay, because it's for you. Yeah, well said. Really well said. I love it. So then, what are your thoughts on feeling responsible for other people's discomfort or happiness. You've alluded a little bit to this already, touched on it, but this feeling responsible piece, this is this is a really big layer. It, it is. And my immediate thought of it is that it's super annoying. <laughs> <laughs> because it that. is, you know, but, you know, it's annoying. And yet I'm just, I guess I'm having a laugh at myself right now. I mean, I can feel it in the pit of my stomach when I think about times that I have felt responsible for someone being upset or I have internalized people's reactions. You know, it is uncomfortable. So that's one thought I have about it. And before I was aware that I was doing this, because I didn't realize I was doing this, right, until it was pointed out to me, I just felt like a ball of guilt in my life. You know, I had no idea why. I never felt like I was really able to enjoy things fully because I was so preoccupied about if I was doing the right thing and if this person was happy. And it created inner turmoil for me mentally, physically, spiritually, and emotionally. It had a huge effect on all of those dimensions. In fact, my stomach was constantly upset. But I'd say my my thoughts on feeling responsible for others for other people's discomfort and happiness is that it's actually a learned behavior and it can be unlearned when you understand why you do it. So, Mm -hmm. um, I know when, 
you and I connected at the Women's Ignite conference, I spoke about that universal principle called the sacrifice wheel. And I'm really excited to share it with your audience in a bit today. But before Mm -hmm. I do, it's helpful to understand that the premise of this teaching says that we all want to be loved, but our number one fear is rejection. And on top of that, I believe that most of us feel that rejection will occur when we are most ourselves. So my thoughts on this are simply that the real rejection does not actually come from others. It comes from within. And I've learned that in trying to fix others, whether it's their discomfort or happiness, it's often a setup to reject my own needs and desires. So I suppose like I'm speaking about a shift away from fearing the rejection of others to refusing to reject myself or like another way of saying that, Lisa, is like believing I'm responsible for others versus giving them permission to be who they are without taking it on. That's huge. That's completely makes sense. That's huge. And I actually want to echo back as close as I can to the words you just said that the real rejection comes from within when we're constantly looking at up to looking at others and feeling over overly responsible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we give Did them. I felt that. <laughs> yeah, like, and what's interesting and so perfect that you and I are speaking on this today is I've been walking through this process of my own over the last two weeks, you know, one more time, 15 years later, it's <laughs> resurfaced in my life. Yeah, But I had another hit of and it was, it felt like I had had my hair blown straight back where I realized, oh my gosh, I'm doing it again. I'm looking mm-hmm. to that person to show me that I'm important. I'm looking to that person to feel love. And, you know, it was interesting to take a step back and say, you know what? It's okay. I can choose differently. You know, I can, I can make a different choice now. Yeah. Shake it off. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I can choose differently. And I feel like if we're kind of building a a loose, maybe some breadcrumbs, I'll say, for someone to follow if they're like, okay, I really want to work with this. It sounds like awareness. Actually, I'll say first, understanding what that it happens in the first place, like having a bit of knowledge of this is a process that can happen, be feeling over-responsible for people, mm-hmm. and then recognizing when we do it in ourselves, mm-hmm. being very gentle with ourselves, and then this layer that you just brought in of, oh, wait, I can choose differently. Yeah. And that brings some lightness to it. And then it doesn't have to feel so heavy. And the power in making the different choice, of course, then is that you do get to stay in your own personal power. And without that awareness, it can really easily seem like your discomfort is their fault. You know, if they would have just done this, if they'd be giving me what I need, then I'd be good to go, which I mean, this, this is definitely like some codependence I'm talking about too, for sure. Yeah. But the lightness, I love that you, you bring the lightness to, to everything, Lisa. And it's so, it makes it like, it makes it, it makes it so that it can be more of an enjoyable journey. Mm, I love that you, I love that you brought that in because I feel like we spend enough time being hard on ourselves. Mm -hmm. Totally. (laughs) Why not bring in 
a bit more for me it's usually space for some space and yeah what is some lightness around it even if that lightness that gentleness is only two percent even if that's all that's available Mm -hmm. that's okay that's that's progress that's two percent you didn't have before absolutely absolutely yeah it sounds like what you just shared too and thanks so much for sharing that kind of seeing yourself come back around to things so many years later oh wow look I'm doing it again amazing now you've seen that and I actually I feel like this is like the follow-on to the one-year anniversary episode because I <laughs> named the healing spiral have you heard that term brand new term no but I love using the word spiral from for meltdown so if I can go into a healing spiral is it a good thing <laughs> It is a good thing. Okay, yeah. It is a good thing. Okay, I want to be in a healing spiral. Yeah. Oh, I just had this other visual of it, of it being just this like lifting up. I know those lifting up. Oh, that's a nice, yeah, lifting up instead of going down the spiral. I love that that visual. Yeah. So I know those that are listening aren't going to be able to see my hands, but if you imagine that spiral shape that I outlined in the last episode, which if you haven't listened to, I'll flesh it out now, that... Yes, it's a linear way of looking at healing, and that's okay. Healing is very nonlinear. But if you picture a spiral in your mind, and a spiral in the sense of a 3D, like a tornado, but in that, in a nicer way, tornadoes are intense. <laughs> and think about coming to back around to an issue that you thought you'd already dealt with, and you're like, oh, I dealt with this already, but imagine yourself coming around to the same point on the spiral, just like a level up from it. And you have different tools, you have different practices and a different perspective there. You're just looking at it from a different way, even if you're like, wait a minute, I thought I dealt with this. So in my own kind of definition, maybe there's another one. uh, There's this healing spiral of Another way of looking at the onions, if you or the layers of the onion, if you will. I love uh, this example. Yeah, <laughs> good. I'm glad it's glad it's fitting. And I like your layer of bringing in this healing spiral. Is yeah, I want to go upwards in this healing, in this healing path, knowing that yeah, sometimes we do feel like we go backwards, and we sometimes do feel like we're just repeating ourselves. And In the last episode, I did get a little more into when you are truly repeating the exact same pattern. You're not actually coming at things with any any new feeling of, oh, I have a different way of navigating this. It's just like kind of the constant repeating of the same situation that's a little different and a great invitation to find some support or some more people walking through this that may be just a few steps ahead But the healing spiral is when you come back around to the similar issue, feel like you've dealt with it, and you're like, what am I doing here again? And yet realizing, oh, wait, I'm just on a different level. I'm seeing this from a different view, and now I get to even dig into it even more, Mm -hmm. even more deeply. So, yeah, what you were saying reminded me of that. It's beautiful. I I will be using the healing spiral analogy moving forward. (laughs) Amazing. And again, it's bringing that lightness to it because it's not, oh, I'm dealing with this again. It's, oh, it's Mm -hmm. come forward one more time and I have new tools to use or I'm going deeper with this. So it's just a more positive approach. I I love it, Lisa. Uh, I'm glad to, glad it came back. Glad it came (laughs) back in this episode. Uh, Because healing healing can be really messy. It can. 
When I'm referring to healing, I imagine many people are going to associate it with simply healing from either illness, pain, dysfunction on a physical level, but I'm talking on all of our levels. Yes, the physical layers, as well as our emotional layers, and our mental, our spiritual, our energetic. Mm -hmm. This is where self-growth and healing actually really interlap. Because there's a layer of us, when we are on, say, a journey of self-discovery, learning who we really are, within the fact that we, we grew up learning patterns of how to act and react from our family. It's very natural. It's very much how we're wired to grow up. And yet, when people talk about walking this path of self-empowerment, path of self-growth, I think sometimes it's looked at as like what you do when you're done healing. But for me, I'm like, mm-hmm. no, no, that's, that's all part of it. Mm-hmm. It is. Yeah, and... And it's also multi-layered. Oh, I was just going to add that it's it's multi-layered just like everything we've spoken about and things reappear. And if you think you're going to get to the end of it, you're just, you're setting yourself up for a major like downward spiral. (laughs) Yeah. And disappointment. Yeah. 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 The ancient sayings about it's it's more about the journey not about the destination because I don't know really where the destination is (laughs) and I continue to learn more and one of the elements that I continue to work with too all the things you brought up are things I have long worked with especially with flower essences that's kind of been a lot of my way Mm -hmm. of and flower essences somatic work focusing counseling working with other as practitioners for me, like me going to the session, yes, have all been huge. But flower essences are very, they shed a lot of insight uh, on, on these layers for me. And one of the things I've worked with a lot is around saying no with ease, with freedom, and knowing that a lot of times saying no. I won't actually use the word. <laughs> I'll sometimes phrase it differently or a way that feels safe, a way that my body, I'll kind of tune into my body and go, okay, my, my whole being, my center, my stomach, my heart, I feel soft when I say, hey, thanks for inviting me, but I created some extra space that week and I'm not able to meet mm-hmm. instead of going, uh, no. Yeah. <laughs> but what's your experience with saying no in the past? Well, my experience with saying no, again, has been that it's very uncomfortable when you're not used to it. And also exactly what you just said, sometimes saying no does not mean literally saying no. Mm. You know, so I love that you mentioned that. Because for me, sometimes saying no is like deciding to speak up for myself instead of being quiet. You know, so like that is in a way it's still a no, like actually that's not okay with me. And, you know, so I'm speaking up about something. Sometimes saying no for me means checking in with myself before I make a decision. You know, like giving myself permission not to just be like, yes, I'll do that. Or, you know, it's like, wait a second, why don't I see how I feel and how I want to feel? Or, you know, so that that's helpful for me in, in my experience with saying no. And it's also might be, you know, declining an invitation because I know that I need time to myself and not offering an explanation or in doing exactly what you said and just saying, oh, I'm, I'm having a weekend to myself, but thank you so much. 
So, yeah. and then sometimes also I will add, and if this doesn't make sense, please let me know that sometimes simply doing nothing is my no, <laughs> you know, like if I have a really strong yeah. urge to do something or to fix something, you know, instead of going into that compulsion, I'll pull back and do nothing. And that's my no. So like I have an example I could share of that actually, which is recently I've had this sense that a person who is close to me is unhappy. And in typical Kel's fashion, I've internalized it. Okay. And I've desperately wanted to fix it by reaching out and I want to ask questions and, you know, I'll go in my own mind and I'll think like, what can I take responsibility for in this? And, but then when I have inquired, I'm told all is well. And so even though that's not the sense I'm getting right now, my practice of saying no is doing nothing. So refusing to go into my old ways of trying to fix or going into this or operating, I guess, maybe from this guilty place, this unconscious guilty place where I feel like I need to sacrifice myself and do something to make that person happy, you know? So right now I'm just letting it be. And the more I'm letting it be, I think you'll find this, maybe you can relate to this. I actually am realizing that my desire to fix actually is stemming from my own discomfort and my own mm-hmm. desire for acceptance, you know? So my belief underneath this is that if this person is happy or comfortable, or connecting with me in a way that feels good, then I'm going to be happy. So it Mm -hmm. seems like it's like I want to fix the other person on the surface. But then when I go deeper, it's, oh, this actually stems from my own discomfort. I may have gone off on a tangent from how, what's your experience with saying no, but again, like everything, it's, it's kind of complex. Yeah. And I'm sitting in my brain going, how much do I get into what you're talking a lot about too is, a layer of how some of us respond in stress. There's the fight flight, Mm -hmm. super classic. We've all heard of that one. Mm -hmm. There's freeze, which is when often there's kind of a disassociative. And I don't mean that in a um, mental health standpoint as much as a, like, you're just kind of disconnecting from everything. Freeze is a a different feel altogether and can feel actually quite floaty, quite quite pleasant. Uh, It's a type of trauma response as well. And then there's one that's more socially related as a stress response, a response to a stressful situation, which could even, the stress could be our own perceived need that we need to fix it, or is there something wrong? A perceived error on our part, thinking that we've done something to make the other person unhappy. Mm -hmm. But the other layer is the fawn stress response, please and appease. Mm -hmm. Very common in those of us that are in a very female role in a household. And this goes back to evolutionary ancient times of if we are cast out of the tribe and we aren't the one hunting, We and our kids are not going to survive. So we have to make sure we're still part of the group. We've got to be safe. So I'm going to fawn, and I mean that in like the fawn, please and appease way of like, I'm going to make sure everyone around me is happy because that's actually safer for me. I'm going to be part of the group. Totally. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe you're like, I don't know all about that, but. No, (laughs) actually what you're hearing, I've never heard it said that way, but that's also very similar to what I guess like the codependent definition would be you know I'll be if this person is happy then I'm safe yeah you know yeah 
Yeah, there's a lot of layers in that. It's it's very mm-hmm. layered. <laughs> yeah, it's like the the word of our day. And something that I bring in here is how much self care and how much attending to our own, oftentimes just physical needs, making sure our sleep is as good as it can be. We're well fed. We're not making decisions from a really low, hangry standpoint. Yes. The more our physical body is is looked after, the less we're likely to be activated in a stress response that we don't have the resources for. Mm-hmm. So self-care isn't just this luxury thing. I find it mandatory, especially as a highly sensitive. It is it is how to well, it's a it's a skillful way of being highly sensitive in the world, continuing to learn skills. And self-care is definitely one of them. It is. And I actually I was listening to a different I don't know which podcast it was, Lisa, but I loved how you spoke about for you, self-care is feeding yourself when you're hungry. You know, it's not, it doesn't have to be this big show or some kind of elaborate gesture. Those simple things, when you can apply them, make the biggest difference. Because if you were to ask my husband, like, you don't even want to be near me if I'm hangry. Okay. It's an absolute nightmare. I go into meltdown city. (laughs) It's not pretty. (laughs) So for me, feeding myself when I'm hungry, preparing myself a cup of tea at the end of the day, those little things that I can implement in the day, that's the best form of self-care for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and the more, yeah, we, the more we stand on our, our self-care foundation, the easier things that are uncomfortable, like saying no, however you word it become. Yeah, absolutely. So anyone that's listened to this podcast before knows I'm pretty big on this idea of sacred self-care. It is a deep, interweaving of many different parts of our, ourselves and caring for ourselves really deeply. And and this I would include as a part of self-care. How do we how do we look at how we think about others and ourselves and not take on so much? And I'm curious that you kind of alluded to it briefly and I'm super curious to hear more this idea of, of the, the sacrifice wheel and, and the learning that's helped you the most in being able to honor or choose yourself? Okay, that's a great question. And I actually want to backtrack on one thing, if I can. And Let's that is on the topic of self-care being such a buzzword. <laughs> you know, everyone says know. it. Yeah. To me, it's, it's having balanced dimensional health you know, mental, physical, spiritual, and emotional, nurturing all four of those quadrants. Well, I say quadrant because I picture it on a wheel, you know, but Mm -hmm. with a lot of emphasis on the emotional and the spiritual. To me, that is balanced self-care, you know, and I guess I wanted to clarify that because it's, that's a big thing that I teach people. It's a, a big part of the work that I do. And I feel like it's so relevant to exactly what you're saying right now. Mm, yeah, I'm really glad you brought that in. That is, I hope I have it right. The balanced dimensionality of self-care. Balanced dimensional health. Dimensional health. Yes, balanced dimensional oh, I like that. Yeah, I yeah. like that. So, um, but I can definitely also talk about the sacrifice wheel, like the learning that, should I just get into that right now then, Lisa? That'd be amazing. Okay, yeah, let's do it. it. <laughs> yeah, I'd love to dive into that. 
So the learning that's assisted me the most in being able to finally honor myself, and also I should add, even understand that I could do that, has been a combination, has been a combination of, you know, balanced dimensional health, like I just mentioned, learning how to identify my emotions, you know, like working with a lot of universal principles. But mainly this thing that I have mentioned called the sacrifice wheel, I would say the sacrifice wheel has been the game changer. And so just to give a little preface, I guess, to this, we put ourselves on this wheel unintentionally anytime we operate from guilt or make a decision from guilt. All right. So none of us real, none of, none of us are like, you know what, I'm going to go on the sacrifice wheel today. but that's that's how it'll happen guilt is present and that's how we'll get on the wheel and remember like I said we all want acceptance but we fear rejection and we fear the rejection will occur when we are ourselves and because we believe and this is never in my awareness when it's happening just to be clear but because we believe that we're not enough as we are most of us are operating from an underlying sense of guilt almost all the time So if we don't have the awareness, we can actually live on this wheel. Um, And again, in your mind or even in the vocabulary you you use, it could sound like that language of guilt. Okay, so I'm not doing enough. I need to do more. This is my fault. It's up to me. You know, she's going to be upset with me if I don't do this or he's not going to need me if I don't do this. That's the language of guilt. And that's how you know you're on that wheel. <laughs> Sorry, I lost my yeah. train of thought for a moment. <laughs> so totally okay. now just imagine in your mind, like for me, usually I listen to podcasts while I'm driving. So it may not be conducive for your listeners to, to draw this out right now, but you could just hold a visual in your mind of a big circle or a wheel. And just imagine at the top left of the circle is the word guilt. I'm going to bring this all full circle, by the way. But if you see the wheel in your mind at the top left of the circle is the word guilt. So guilt is present. That's how we get on it. Over on the top right of the circle is the word sacrifice. At the bottom right of the circle is the word expectation. And at the bottom left, you have anger, resentment, and blame. Okay, so that's how the wheel looks visually. And now I'm going to talk this through and give you an example of how this works. So I live in Shaunavon, Saskatchewan now, but I'm from Kamloops, BC originally. Okay, we're in Western Canada here. And when I first moved to Shaunavon, I was constantly going back to Kamloops as much as I could because I missed everyone so much. And it's a 12-hour drive to Kamloops from where I now live. And for well over a year, I would drive to Kamloops and on my way there, I would get right on this wheel at the same time without even (laughs) realizing it. So to break down the wheel, number one, guilt. So what I would think about as I'm leaving Shaunavon is I'm thinking about how I want to spend quality time with my grandma. And that's what I would really want to do. But then this other thought would kind of enter my brain and it would sound like I would start to think about my friend Sally. And I'd think, well, I do want to see my grandma, but it's been, I haven't seen Sally in so long and I don't want her to be upset if she knows I'm in town and I haven't reached out to her. And Sally's friendship is really important to me. And I want her to know how important she is to me. So I think I should see her first. I have to see her first. So that's how guilt would present. And then the sneaky. sacrifice. <laughs> the sacrifice. <laughs> very sneaky. Yeah, very sneaky. Is that I would get to Kamloops and I wouldn't see my grandma first. All right. So I don't do what I really want to do. I end up spending more time with Sally than anyone else in an attempt to make her happy 
and to prove how strong our friendship is and to make myself more comfortable because in my mind, if she's comfy, I'll be comfy, right? So this is a great example of me. I'm doing what I think I should do, not what I really want to do. So that's the sacrifice. And now there's always ex- expectation attached. Whether you're, whether I'm aware of it or whether you're aware of it, it's there. So the expectation in, in this example is that Sally's going to be happy and I'll be happy and our friendship will be strong and she'll honor me in the same way that I have honored her. <laughs> For our listeners, like I'm doing air quotes. She's going to honor me like I'm honoring her or she's going to prioritize me in the same way I've prioritized her. Okay, mm-hmm. now a sidebar here, an expectation is always a setup to be let down. And anytime we're looking outside of ourselves for proof of proof of our worth or our importance or of how much we're loved, we're going to be let down because that does need to come from within first. But away we go here. So I've, I have this expectation, it's not met, and I get annoyed. So now I'm in the anger, the resentment, and the blame. And I start to think, well, if she would have just done this then I'd be happy, you know? So what would happen? Sally might invite a bunch of other friends over who I don't really care about because I wanted to have this one-on-one time with her. Or she wouldn't be happy with the amount of time I spent with her. You know, it wouldn't be enough, you know? And so I would just start to think, I just did all of this for you. It's never enough. Like, why can't you be happy with what I've done? I've prioritized you and I'd feel annoyed. So then I'd blame her or I would snap, or oftentimes for me, I would actually just kind of shut down and like just kind of stew and be upset. And then without the awareness that I was on the wheel, I would just go to guilt again after I was in the anger and and the resentment. And this might be because maybe I snapped at her, but for me, it was mainly because I knew I hadn't honored myself. And that's Mm. why I felt guilty you know, because I didn't honor what I knew that I wanted, what I knew I wanted, which was to connect with my gram. So, so then I get back to guilt, that underlying guilt that I'm not doing enough and I need to do more. And I sacrifice again, if I don't have the awareness. So when I say, and actually maybe I haven't even said this yet, a person can literally live on the sacrifice wheel. When you're not aware of it, you'll keep sacrificing to try to get out of the guilt, not realizing that the sacrifice keeps you in it because you're not honoring yourself. Okay. So with, I don't, without the awareness, this, you'll keep sacrificing to try to get out of the guilt when that's what actually keeps you in the guilt because you're not honoring yourself. If you see this big wheel in your mind, which I hope that you do, or maybe you see it, like maybe some of you listeners do have it written down and you're looking at it on a paper. I'm going to teach you how you can get off of the wheel so in the middle of this wheel now, can I dive in? Yes, I was just going to bring in the the full um, the full recap of I because I had the I had the pleasure of seeing the visual of of this, knowing we're in a different uh, medium here. Just the recap for those that heard it at the start that you've got this circle, you've got kind of four quadrants to it, or um, you draw almost like a big X over the circle Mm -hmm. so that it's separated into four. And then you've got guilt, almost like with an arrow leading to sacrifice, with an arrow to expectation, with an arrow to anger, resentment, and blame, and then another arrow that takes you right back up to guilt. Yeah. Yeah. Just this perpetual. And I loved your example of it because it's like, Right away, the guilt 
had started. Like, oh, I feel guilty. I should go see my friend first, which led to that feeling of sacrifice. Okay, I'm going to sacrifice the time with your grandma and leading next to that anger and resentment of like, hang on a minute. I thought this was our one-on-one time. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And yet finding out, oh, wait, it's a reunion of all my high school friends, which is, can be lovely, but time and place. Absolutely. And yeah, and especially if our expectation wasn't, um, was never communicated to, I know I've totally done this in the past, had something in my mind of how it would go, not shared that and got there and been totally surprised that say the meetup was different yeah I love that you brought that in thanks for letting me recap I'm a very I'm a very visual person I had to like get get my pen out no I'm glad (laughs) that you asked me to recap and you know what it's actually given me a moment to think about there's another way that this can play out and sometimes the sacrifice is not something that you're doing it's something that you're holding back right so an example that I like to share is of a friend you know, who doesn't want to, you know, she doesn't want her husband to be upset. She she doesn't want to ruffle any feathers, right? And she feels responsible for that. And so her sacrifice is that she won't speak up. She won't say if something's hurt her feelings. She won't ask for what she wants. And her expectation in doing that, in that sacrifice, is that everything will be good, you know, I'm not going to ruffle any feathers. So everything all will be well. But then what happens because she's not honoring herself is she doesn't feel good. And he doesn't even realize that she's upset. He has no idea she's holding things back. <laughs> yeah. So her expectation is I'm not met because I've done this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Haven't we all? And then she's in the anger and the resentment and the, and the blame. She's pissed off. Well, he doesn't know. He doesn't ask because she's not honoring herself and she's, you know, she's angry and she's resentful, you know, she's hard on herself and stays in the guilt and just stays on the wheel that way. So it can look different. Yeah. And I imagine, especially if there's the blow up after that, and then the guilt about the blow up when you're like, wait, totally, everything was internal, except for this one, like, temper explosion, and then right right back into guilt, and then not wanting to speak up, because the last time... I did it wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or snapped about something that was seemingly meaningless. That's usually my cue that if I have done this, especially unconsciously, I have a partner that actually will communicate so well with me and it's my job to make sure I communicate well, well with him. So Mm -hmm. if I snap at something that's really small, like he didn't put the dishes away, I'm like, oh, what else? What else have I not acknowledged here? So that helps to bring it up. But I'm going to lean into this a little bit more, this idea of guilt into sacrifice, which may have been me not talking, speaking up in the first place, creating an expectation, which is maybe unfair even to the other person. Well, it is unfair. Yeah. yeah. They don't know. They don't don't know what they don't know. Yeah. Yeah. As much as uh, we all love to be mind readers sometimes, we're we're really, yeah, we're not. (laughs) We can be in moments. We can be very intuitive and pick up on things, but it's really helpful to talk things through. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah. I mean, it's important to mention because it can, it can look very different, you know, Mm -hmm. but the feeling is the same and, you know, the not honoring yourself is the same. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and then you alluded to this idea of how to hop out of this vicious cycle, how to get off of the sacrifice wheel, find a new okay. way. Love to hear your suggestions on that. Okay, so 
picture, if you have the, the wheel in front of you, or if it's in your mind, I want you to picture, I always have people draw a massive heart in the middle. Mm. And then on the inside, you know, there, you can write, forgive myself or choose myself, because that is how you get off the wheel by choosing to honor yourself, you know, by forgiving yourself for believing that you're responsible for other people's happiness or for forgive. Yeah. You know, cause whether you're doing something or holding something back, it's the same. So you give yourself, you forgive yourself for falsely believing your happiness also exists in another person. And you make the choice that it is, that is an honest reflection of what you truly desire. Hmm. So after over a year of going to Kamloops and hopping on the wheel during the 12 hour drive, it was eventually pointed out to me, Kelsey, you're on the sacrifice wheel. <laughs> this is one of the things I love to do with my clients because so often when we're on the wheel, we have no awareness of it and mm -hmm. we, we do need support in order to successfully get off of it. You mm -hmm. know, at least that'll make your experience e easier with the mm -hmm. support, right? So I remember when I finally was driving to Kamloops and I knew I was going to do it differently. You know, I was equipped with this, this new awareness. Okay. I'm going to do what I want to do, not what I feel like I I'm supposed to do or I have to do. So I'm on my way. I knew it was going to be uncomfortable. However, I was already feeling a lot of discomfort and repeatedly leaving Kamloops feeling super annoyed. So before I left, I got clear on what I wanted to do and I did it without offering an explanation, a big explanation. I should say, mm -hmm. I just, I visited my grandma. I saw a different friend other than Sally. And I consciously made choices that were reflections of what I wanted. So I kept asking myself the whole entire trip, do I want to do that? Do I really want to do this? Or do I just feel like I should? Mm. And if the answer was that I felt like I should, I just made the opposite choice. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so what a trip, right? Like it was not comfortable. However, when I drove back to Saskatchewan and drove out of Kamloops after that experience, my heart was singing. Mm. I felt so open. I felt so grateful. I even felt proud of myself. I felt so free. I felt so empowered. And what's so cool about that experience is that it all started from my own awareness and it started within. Hmm. Nobody else did anything different. It wasn't up to anybody else in that situation for me to have that experience of freedom. I created that for myself by going within and acknowledging what, what, was important to me. Mm -hmm. So it was an internal shift that made a huge difference. And, you know, this is why I love teaching and coaching people through their own shifts, because it simplifies life when you can know that change can be created by going inward. You know, it's the change isn't going to happen in the fixing or in the being responsible for anyone else. Yeah. And the first time I really understood this and felt this and knew this to be like a real truth, I just, I remember feeling so deeply moved. Like it was having this loving remembering washing over me. Hmm. Oh, wait a second. That's the key. It's not about other people. It's about me. <laughs> and I love how sometimes when these moments happen, they sound so simple almost oversimple, like, oh, I chose what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And 
sharing your experience now, but just having that loving remembering just washing over you. It's like, it sounds so simple. And yet mm-hmm. I feel like this is where our language sometimes doesn't really give the full body in emotional and spiritual experience of really having something like this hit home. Yeah, I, I think you're path. right. Yeah. And you know what? I think on some level, though, it is really simple, but we need yeah. to get rid of all the stuff to, to be able to tune into that simplicity. Yeah. Yeah. Which, you know, coming back to our word of this, of this episode can be, can be layers. Sometimes there's layers of trauma in there that need either support within or support with someone else. Sometimes there's layers of just patterns that we don't see yet. And we may be either learning through our own, say, reading or listening, but maybe having someone else illuminate them for us or our friends illuminate them or just ourselves when we see that, oh, yeah, I've done that same thing. I also go back to the coast a lot to visit family and and friends. So when you're talking about going back and being very mindful of where your time is spent. When you move away from home (laughs) and you go back home, it's... I think it's a common experience that, you know, you're going to be pulled in a million directions and yeah. it's important to connect with what, what you want out of it and who is important to you this time. Yeah. And knowing that even if you didn't see someone, that doesn't mean you don't love and care for them, but that's the way the trip played out. That's maybe where the energy was. I, I planned my trips very carefully. First few trips were a little wild. <laughs> and yeah, I plan them really, really mindfully now. So I love that. And my goodness, I feel like I could just keep talking to you, which is like, <laughs> there's so many other, other things that, that pop up. But I really appreciate you bringing in the sacrifice wheel, this very, very visual way of looking at how we can, in some ways, keep ourselves on the wheel, that guilt, yep. that guilty feeling. And sometimes it's created in ourselves, feeling guilty over something that isn't actually a problem through mm-hmm. the sacrifice, making it through that expectation that something will be different because of our sacrifice, landing then in anger, resentment, blame, or a blow up, and then yeah. feeling guilty about that. But that center, that heart of choosing yourself, forgiving yourself, that's really powerful really appreciate you bringing that in oh I'm so I love you know I love to talk about it and what's interesting is that when I first started teaching it was the thing I didn't want to teach the most because I was always on it yeah and I was and it was confusing to me yeah. <laughs> because I was constantly in it so now on the other side yes I still can get on it at times but it's such a good refresher for me every time I get to talk about it mm. it just keeps me keeps me honest. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. Love it. And how would it be just seeing how time goes? Oh, so fast always. (laughs) But I I still got a couple questions I wanted to touch on, though we may not be able to uh, dive quite as much into them. I feel like we've we've spent our time really well diving into what's it's really important. Actually, just before I shift gears on the different question I'm going to ask in, I thought I'd just offer one thing I come back to again and again and again for myself when I notice these patterns pop up. And if I feel like I am needing to fix something or at risk of overgiving. And it's the, the saying, the phrase, I allow others their own journey. I love it. Really, I love that. 
And it's something I'd come back to again and again as this reminder of like, right, I'm not responsible for every single person in my sphere. And I, I can allow others their own journey. Because who knows what they, what experiences, we can't gloss over that learning is hard and difficult and sometimes joyful and wonderful, but there can be hard moments. So who am I to say that I was meant to give that particular experience mm. or who knows what to that person? Maybe they, maybe they missed out on something really fun, some really fun learning because I swooped in and tried to make it easier for them. Yeah. Who am I to, who am I to believe that I know what's best for that person? Yeah, exactly. How can I possibly know? Oh, Lisa, I love, I love that phrase. I will use that as well. I will be taking that with me. Amazing. Yeah, so that I'd sort of offer that in. It's back from uh, the first mini, uh, the first resource, kind of mini ebook I, I released was on the five emergency tools for empaths. Along those lines. I'll see if I can re. Uh, revive it bring it back uh, and create a link check in the check yeah, in the maybe show you notes. can pop it in the show notes yeah yeah that's like, awesome. check in the show notes or i'll re-record it in the outro um if i can set that one up if anyone's curious for the other four tools because this is very much an an empath layer feeling someone mm-hmm. else's distress and wanting to make it better and so, so there's a spectrum we can want and feel really filled up by by making someone's day, by allowing them to be extra comfortable and think this is great. So it's not a bad thing. Really, no, like if that's not. something someone loves about themselves, I don't want to, I don't want the opposite to come in there, but just that the pendulum can swing too far. Absolutely. And be, and just being tuned into why am I doing this? Mm-hmm. Am I, am I trying to soothe someone else? Am I trying to soothe myself or does it just feel so good and feel like that's just what I really want to do? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love that. Just to switch gears a, a little bit, because I'd love to, I'd love to hear more as I get more curious into the breath and ways of working with it. I'd love to hear a little bit about the breath integration method of counseling, if you're open to sharing a bit on that. Yeah, I would love to share about that. You know, it's made such a huge difference in my life that sometimes when I'm asked to talk about it, I'm like, where do I go from here? How do I begin? (laughs) I would say the breath integration method of counseling, it's unique in that it really encourages people in opening up to their inner treasures so that they can experience success, joy, satisfaction, and ultimate well-being in their lives. Um, You know, so feeling empowered to discover a personal vision and, you know, move towards it in a way that feels good. So what, what makes the, the method unique is that, you know, every session completes with what's called a circular connected breath. And what that does is it allows you to really connect with your emotions and move through them. You know, when, when people breathe in a shallow way, that tends to suppress emotions and suppress energy. Mm-hmm. And that can lead to us recreating a lot of painful experiences in our life, you know, when all that stuff stays suppressed and we create from that. So the breath allows you to, you know, really oxygenate your cells and release and move through that stuff and connect with your emotions so you can name it. And it's just a beautiful combination of, you know, kind of traditional talk therapy, working with the universal principles. And then because our breath is our physical connection to life energy itself, the very cells of our bodies are rejuvenated as full deep breathing is restored at the end of every session. And then we can um, 
you know, feel healthier and more relaxed and more alive. So to me, fuller, freer breathing literally means a fuller, freer life. <laughs> so, that. you know, during a breath session, you get to experience that breath and you also get, you know, a, a consultation that will address whatever is coming forward for you on that day. And sometimes it's surprising. And I always recommend that a person, you know, gives them all, gives themselves the benefit of consistency. So, you know, don't mm-hmm. just have one session. I recommend mm-hmm. a set of 12 usually over 12 weeks or 24 weeks. Mm-hmm. And, and still to this day, I have my own breath sessions. It's not, and I feel like my life is high functioning. I really enjoy my life. And yet I keep nurturing that because it's, I guess it's a, it's another form of self-care for me. Hugely. Definitely. Mm-hmm. I love the weaving of being able to speak with someone, being able to bring up different issues in that more kind of traditional talk therapy idea with the connection of the breath included. I love that. So yeah. really, really neat work you do. Thank you. I, it's a very unique method. I'm still astounded that I married the son of a teacher of this method. Like I just, there's no, I just, it's, it's hilarious to me. I didn't grow up feeling like I was ever going to speak to a counselor because I was fine. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I get it. Totally get it. (laughs) Me who now usually has at least two that work with things in different ways. Yeah. I love that. Counseling is cool. I always say. Mm-hmm. I would have to agree with you. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Well, thanks so much for sharing and fleshing out a little bit about about your work and knowing that's the, the tiniest tip of the iceberg because it's like being in craniosacral or flower essences. Like I briefly touched on them before and it's like there's so much more in them. Yeah. So it's yeah, huge. You could- you could talk about it forever. And it, and yeah. it's at the end of the day, it's experiential. You know, yeah. if you're feeling drawn to it, Hugely. I always suggest someone try it. And then you'll know yeah. if you connect with the method or not. Yeah. That's it's all it. about finding something that's going to work for you. Yeah. We're all unique. We're all individual. And I'll let that lead me into the next question that I always ask every guest that comes on the show. The, the two sides here of our uniqueness of being highly sensitive. So the two sides... I ask this question together that you can answer them separately. What do you feel your biggest challenge is of being highly sensitive as well as your favorite gift? Well, I think for the listeners today, they're going to know what my biggest challenge is. And that's just that I've been feeling responsible for people around me forever and internalizing discomfort, you know, their discomfort. So that's, that's my challenge is wanting to fix things all the time you know, it was kind of this job that I unconsciously assigned to myself yeah. and, you know, then blaming myself if I, if I couldn't make another person happy. Yeah. So that's been my challenge. Yeah. But I would say the gift of being highly sensitive. I mean, I recently heard a quote by Ram Dass that said, uh, you know, I guess this to me is like, it's a great reminder for why bringing all of this energy and consideration back to myself is so important. And the quote is, I myself stand in need of the arms of my own kindness. So when I can discern my emotions and make decisions based on what is mine, I can feel truly empowered and able to serve when it feels good, you know, so it allows me then to avoid burnout and confusion and resentment. 
And, you know, I don't expect others to make me happy while remembering it's also not my job to make others happy. So I suppose the correct answer is that it allows me to have, to have and to practice true, true reverence for myself. I love that. And you're, a, you're such an amazing example of, of that in action, Lisa. Thank you so much for that. I'm you're so literally welcome. practicing receiving, practicing taking that on and just going, wow, that really fills up my heart. So thank you for sharing that. You're so welcome. Oh, what an incredible journey I feel like we've been on today. And those that are listening, really appreciate you coming on to the podcast. And I would love for you to share for those that want to learn more, that want to connect with you. You have some great offerings. So how can people find you? How can people connect with you? I would say the best way that you could connect with me or find me would actually be in my private Facebook group. You can search it. It's called Shifts in Perspective with Kelsey Hewins. So this is a private community where I go live every week. So every Wednesday I offer, I do a little video, I offer support on various life challenges. You know, I teach free series and workshops in there from time to time. So that, that's how I would say would be the best way to connect with me is in my Facebook group. And I also would love to offer your listeners today a free gift. I thought maybe we could pop that in the show notes. Would yeah, that be okay to do lovely. that? For sure. Okay. For okay. sure. So the, the free gift um, that I want to offer, it's called the Eight Empowering Inquiries. So these are journal prompts that can assist you in going within for your own answers and will assist you in ulti- ultimately being able to choose yourself and have more insight around that. Okay, so I also don't believe that we're meant to do all of this stuff alone. So I'm, Mm -hmm. you know, getting support, I believe is also very important. But this is going to be great tracks for you to run on to start to look within. I love it. We'll pop that in the show notes for everybody. Definitely. Yeah. And your you have a website? Yeah, my website, uh, KelseyHewins.com. Perfect. Amazing. Well, I have so enjoyed speaking with you, learning from you, and I already feel like there's just so many, so many nuggets from today, so many quotable quotes that you brought in. So I appreciate your time, your knowledge, and how there's any other last things floating around that you're like, oh, I really wanted to mention this, or if you're feeling complete, we'll move towards a close for today. You know what? I feel complete. And I just want to say thank you because I feel like I'm walking away with some quotable quotes myself, the healing (laughs) spiral. And how did you say it? I can give from people, I give others permission to have their own journey. I love it. That's the and I was going to say, however you remember it is perfect. I, in my brain, it comes through as I allow others their own journey. Mm-hmm. I really appreciate your time, your shares, mm-hmm. sharing the sacrifice wheel. And I have uh, popped into your Facebook community. I'm not on social media all that much, but I can highly, highly recommend being part of her group because her teachings are fantastic. Thank you so much, Lisa. Well, until next time, Kelsey, I'll say bye for now. Okay, bye. I hope you enjoyed what Kelsey had to share today. And I really acknowledge how much she brings a really beautiful perspective for highly sensitives. Because we tend to really think about others deeply. So it's very helpful to come back and choose ourselves even if that's just a tiny bit more 
Yes, we have families, we have work, we have important people in our lives. We want to show up for them fully. And one of the most important people in your life, some might argue the actual first most important person in your life, is you. So the more we can connect to ourselves, to our own personal empowerment, our own self-growth, while being able to navigate the sometimes tricky feelings that come up as we begin to put in deeper boundaries, as we step off the sacrifice wheel, and as we learn to communicate our needs. So again, I'm going to pop all the links for Kelsey's Facebook group, website, all of that into the show notes. And in the interview, I mentioned about the five emergency tools for empaths that I wanted to find a way to put back on my website. I'm getting there. I've shifted a few things on the technical side, so stay tuned. You'll be able to find it at combinationhealing.ca forward slash gifts very soon. Though on the day this is released, it won't be up there quite yet. So thanks for your patience. Last but not least, for those looking for deeper support, if you resonated with Kelsey, feel also welcome to connect, reach out, and get some one-on-one support in this process. I also mentioned at the beginning a little more about the Flowering Soul program. That starts off with a complimentary, no-cost, one-on-one check-in, just called the Highly Sensitive Tea Chat. You can find that in my online booking, which is right on the homepage of my website. All right, everyone. I hope you have a wonderful, easeful, and exciting day. I've already got another episode that I'm editing and working on in the background, so stay tuned for that one. And until next time, bye for now.